What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Yes. Guess what? What? New year, new ad. Oh, I like it. I thought you were going to say new year, new you. Nah, I'm still the same shitty version of me. <laughs> you know who's not a shitty version of themselves anymore? Go ahead and tell me. The boof head. The fading boof head? Einz a wiener. Oh, my God. Einswick dog quip. Yes. Jason's only half the man he was uh, a year ago. I know he's on an amazing journey. But Incredible. he still sells- Amazing equipment. The best equipment you can get in Australia. Yes, he does. If you want dog training equipment- He's the only man to go to. Yep. It turns out it's not just equipment either. He did those cages for my car. I know. they're fucking rad. They are really good. Yeah. He's like, got a new range of stuff. There's a new line of gear. I think it's called Klim or something like that. Klein. Klein, is it? Yeah, I think Klein. Klein. That's okay. how I read it. Yeah, Klim Klein. Yeah, they make mad stuff. Yeah, really good stuff. Yeah. So I've got to do a little review for him on that, but go and check out his website because he has got one. Yes. Yeah. Einz a wiener, dog quip. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but say that. Einzweck. E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K. Yep. Is it? Is that correct? Yeah. Einzweck? Yeah. Einzweck dog quip. Check it out. If you're in Australia, that's the only place you should be getting your dog gear from. Yep. None of those other places. That's right. Just go straight to the buffet. Yeah. Just say, hey, buffet, give us a deal. Now, I know you North Americans mm. are probably just like, God damn. What I about us? I could buy some of that what stuff. What about me? Yeah. So I think if you want treadmills, you can actually still get them through Jason because mm-hmm. he sort of just is the middle guy anyway. And he knows he that. knows who's making the good meals yeah, he and knows who's meals. not. Yep. Mm. But if you want other dog training equipment. Mach le point. Mach le point. Yes. Yep. It's French for Mark. All around good guy, Canadian. Amazing guy. Mach very, very good man. Yep. yep. And he's got everything. He's like Canine Dynamics has bite training equipment, leashes, tugs, all the normal stuff you'd expect to see. They on are the, dynamic. Yeah. Mm. His website is much better than Jason. <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> it's a fact, too. <laughs> I actually was a client of Canon Dynamics before mm-hmm. we knew MacLapoint. Yes. And the, the purchase process was seamless. Yeah. The website's amazing. It's very good. It's very detailed and it's laid out well. And he yeah. covers all of North America, yeah. which Canada is included in that as well. Well, yeah. he's in Canada. Yeah. Ma- Canada Dynamics is Canadian. Yes, I know. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so, yeah. he's in Ottawa, isn't he? Uh, something like that. Yeah. No. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He's in North America. Love if you want dog training And he supports our show. Thank get you. Get it from there. Thank you, Mark Point. We have one other sponsor. Yes. Melanie Benware. Yep. Kindred Canine. Kindred Canine. Yep. From the train town itself, Ashland, Virginia. Yep. So if you need in-home behavior modification. Yep. She'll come around and look after your We did a whole episode on- We did. The way she does it. She yeah. very kindly gave away her whole business model to she everybody. Yeah. At so the end of 2020. The homeschool program. If you know someone that needs the homeschool program, yep. get them on to Melody Benware, Kindred yes. Canine. Yep. Or, you know what? what? People should probably, if they want to learn more about homeschool program beyond what she gave away for free on the show. Great idea. They should get in contact with her and yep. she should charge them to teach them about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Mel, we just opened up a whole new revenue stream for you. Absolutely. You're welcome.
Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio by my co-host, Glenn Cook. It's not really the official first one of 2020. It kind of is, but it isn't. Yeah, it is. Well, it is. First because one we're recording. We were recording it on 2020. Uh, 2021. Yeah. 2021. Jeez, man. Leave that myself. poo year behind. Yeah, oh, yeah. Stop saying that. <sighs> what a year. Yeah. Mm. So, new year. New you. <laughs> <laughs> not really. Hey, did you see that little girl, Rosie, doing the canine paradigm ad? Oh, yeah. That was hilarious. What a little cutie. Yeah. Hang on. I've got to play it. Pretending so. to do her Australian accent. Yeah. I actually woke up this morning and it was one of my highlights to waking up to. Like I, I saw it and I thought, oh, what a little sweetie doing that. I showed off. it to Rip and he's like, why is she talking so weird? And I was like, <laughs> uh, I was like that's an American trying to do an Australian accent happening in the canine industry. For all the latest news, views, and expert opinions, stay right here on the canine paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> A little giggle at the end. I the feel canine like, paradigm. Yeah. When Americans try and do Australian accents, they just sound South African. Yeah, it's kind of funny, but that's what they think we sound like. Yeah. Because mm. I'll go to, well, when we go to the States, people will come up to you and say, G'day, Mike. <laughs> And I'm thinking, I've never heard, even somebody from out back in the boonies of Australia, yeah. I've never heard them sound like that before. Uh, in parts of Queensland, you get that. The, the oh, but real, that's a different part of the country. Yeah, the real bogan accent. <laughs> that's where the buffhead's from. Yeah, yeah. No wonder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. We've got a topic. We have. So- I listen to lots of different podcasts, right? Mm. And one of my favorite ones, even though I struggle with it sometimes, but that's why I listen to it a lot, mm -hmm. uh, is called Revisionist History. Mm -hmm. And so it's Malcolm Gladwell. And he, um, it, it sort of goes down a few different formats now because they're into like five seasons. But the idea was initially that he looks back yep. at like big events from the past. And now that they're so far in the past, no one actually gives a shit about it. He's like, okay, so unemotively, what really happened? Right. And so it's pretty good in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so now he does a bunch of other investigative stuff. And I was listening to one today and it's about hoarding. Right. Yep. And it's about the, the museum, the Metro Museum in New York, how mm -hmm. they're broke. Right. They literally have billions of dollars worth of art and things, but no money. And on their balance sheet, mm -hmm. they don't count any of their art or anything because it's not for sale. Right. They're like, so that doesn't matter how much it's worth. Yep. Because we're not selling it. Okay. And so they recently laid off 90 people and they shut a whole bunch of exhibits and they started charging entry that they've never done before mm. and did that rather than sell some of the literally millions of things they have yep. in storage that have never seen the light of day. Wow. Right? And so- Made me sort of start thinking about hoarding, right? Mm. And they refer to the dragon from the Hobbit, Smog, mm. right? Mm. That is like obsessed with his treasure. Yep. To the point where it's no longer treasure. Yep. Right? It actually becomes this burden. Yes. Right? And it made me think about knowledge dissemination because it's a, it's kind of big on my mind because mm. I think, you know, that's what we do. And in coming up with a topic for a podcast about dog training, you know, you realize that we have, you know, there's a lot of dog training knowledge that has been put out via this podcast, but I also sell some knowledge. I mm. give some knowledge away. And also there's stuff that I don't talk about because I'm kind of still working on it. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I thought that we could discuss and sort of explore a little bit the idea of information, dog training information and the way that we disseminate it in the many and different ways. 
fascinating topic and I've got a little bit of a kinship to what you're talking about. I'm talking about the physical aspect of hoarding. I've spoken about my grandmother on this podcast over the years Mm. and her psychological effect on me as a child. And another one of those effects that she had on me was her and my grandfather were hoarders. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't throw anything out. They'd stick everything under the house because they thought there will be a time where we can fix it. They grew up in the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. So people back then- They didn't take lightly what they had. They kind of thought, well, rather than throw something away, it can be fixed. It can Mm -hmm. be used again. It can be recycled. I kind of admire that in a lot of ways because they were small on wastage. Mm -hmm. Like they just didn't pile through things. They they didn't take it for granted that they had money and they had items and so forth. They were really quite – they weren't misers in any way, shape or form. I don't think my grandmother was – overly generous but she wasn't a miser as well like if she put on a banquet for people like she would feed you really well and Mm -hmm. she'd feed the whole neighborhood as well Mm -hmm. you know she delighted in having people around but go under the house my grandfather had like probably 20 tv sets under there Mm -hmm. you know because he used to love repairing he was an engineer in the air force he loved repairing tvs that was his thing you know like electronics was really his passion but there was shit everywhere so when they died I had the job of going around and cleaning their house and getting it ready for sale. It took us three weeks of six people to get everything out under the house, to put it into skips to get rid of it. And even then there was still stuff there by the time I just said, fuck it, and just wrapped it and, and sold the house. Mm. It was just insane. So I know the the burden that hoarding has on you, whether you're talking about it metaphorically or you're talking about it physically, mm. it can have a real dramatic effect because I remember as a child, you know, you'd open cupboards at their house and the cupboards were jam packed. Mm. There was stuff everywhere. And then sewing room, cause she made wedding dresses. There was material and things from times gone by. Mm. It was just amazing. I thought maybe we could discuss to start with mm. some of the reasons why some people don't share any knowledge, right? They just keep it, use it for themselves and never are interested in training anybody else or doing anything else. And we talk about in dog training, like there's a lot of really good dog trainers who yep. are really fantastic on the tools, but don't share that information at all, right? Some people don't know how to. There's that. Mm. So that's one of the reasons for sure. And I other think people well, there's that too, Yeah. right? So, well, I think that there's there's layers to that, right? Rather yeah. than just saying they're a it's like, <laughs> why are they choosing that, right? Yeah. So for sure- Not everybody. I'm not saying everybody. Like we're talking about categories of people. Yeah, that's right. So like there's for sure people who don't know how to. So mm. there's people who are very, very intuitive with dogs and just know how to train dogs and they've never really formally learnt it. They just know and they're good at it. Mm. And they therefore kind of don't have anything to pass on because they never learned anything and they're just acting in the moment. Mm. And it, it's it's like a friend of mine that I sort of explained that's a maths genius. Like he, he can't show you his work. He can tell you incredibly – like you can hit him with any kind of math problem you want and he'll just yep. spit out the answer. And he actually gets quite dangerous and because when you probe him about it, he really doesn't know how he got to that. Like it's just how he his just brain knows functions, it. right? Mm-hmm. And he's not the guy you're imagining in his tweed jacket with the leather elbow pads and the glasses in front of a whiteboard, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's one of the toughest, most – fierce warriors I've ever met, but 
can figure out maths in an instant. Right? I think that was like one of the Die Hard movies where there was a like a computer geek guy on there and they sort of went to battle him and he was this badass fucking yeah. like commando type person. He goes, oh, you probably just thought I was like a nerd or something like that yeah. and just destroyed all these people that came after him. Yeah, so that's mm. kind of the case, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think there's people like that in dogs for sure who are mm. just intuitive with a dog and yep. they don't really have anything to pass on because they're not cognitive mm. in doing anything. It's right? a feeling. It's a... It's subconscious, yeah. whatever it is. In the same way, I know I have to breathe, mm. and it just happens. Yeah. They are able to get in tune with the dog, and you know, bring out whatever it is from the dog. Mm. So that's definitely a category of people who don't pass on any knowledge because they can't. Right? Yep. They've got nothing to say about it. The other one, I think, is for sure people that you discuss there that don't want to. Right, mm. and that's where we put them probably into the hoarding kind of category. Yeah. Right, and that it's. People who sort of think like, no, this is mine. I worked hard to get this. I'm not passing that on to you. Yep. And for love nor money, can you get information out of them, right? Mm. And that's a kind of a bummer. I think that's kind of the worst category to be in because, you know, I feel like dog training knowledge is a relay race, right? Like you only get as good as you are because you didn't have to start at the start. Mm. That's why we live in these buildings and we're talking into a microphone. Like if I had to build this microphone, if you gave me from now – until the end of my life, I would not be able to put this microphone together. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how it works. Like this plastic side here, like how, where would I mine the raw materials right. for that, right? Like yeah. I, it's a relay race. Someone made this and they passed it on to me and now I can use it, mm -hmm. right? And I like, I don't have all that knowledge. And it's the same as why we're not still... I mean, we are experimenting in medical forms, but like you can go and get your appendix removed because a, somebody studied it. Yeah, somebody, somebody spent figured that all out. that time, and a lot of lives were lost yeah. over. You know, I was watching. Uh, I was watching an old show on again. It was probably a Netflix show, but it was dealing with old doctors who learned to do uh, C sections. Mm -hmm. You know, and how many women lost their lives and unborn children lost their lives. Yeah. to learn how to do that. You know, like it came at great expense, but. You know, finally they figured out the safe way to do it so that they could save both the mother and the baby. Yeah. And so a day came where you had this terrible pain in your insides mm. and you had demons and we had to excise the demons, but you still died. Yep. And then one day someone was like, no, look, there's this little organ in here and we can just take that out. And thankfully he told other people. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, that, yeah, that may not be demons, mm. right? That might actually be this appendix thing and we could take that out and then they'll be okay. Right. Mm. So I think, that's kind of the biggest bummer when people are, for whatever reason, there could be lots, but where they're like, no, I have the capacity to pass this on, but I, I choose not to. Mm. You can't buy it from me. I won't give it to you. I, I'm not passing on this information. And that's the worst category, I think. I think there's kind of reasons why people can get to that point. Maybe they've passed on information and for free and then seen others sell it or- this is definitely one of the categories we could put people into who don't want to share information is they're worried about being misconstrued, mm. right? Or misunderstood or that they're stuck in that moment, right? Yep. So that was for me, one of the big problems that I had with starting the, not problems with starting the podcast, but if you go back to the first episodes, we certainly talk about it. It was a concern for me is I'm on record saying things, right? And like now I have no, like I have no qualms. I've sort yeah, of but grown. We've, we've 
instilled that we're we're entitled to change our minds. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. I have no qualms about that when yeah. people say, "Oh, I heard you say this," and I go, "Yeah, well, that was a Tuesday, right?" Like that's on right. We- on Wednesday, I felt we we're this experimenting. Way. We we're traveling along the timeline. Yeah. Mm. So, but there's people who can kind of, you know, and, and certainly I nearly was one who mm. would say, "No, like that's the information." Mm. If I put it out, then I'm stuck in that box and I don't want to be stuck in that box. So that's certainly one of the reasons. Now that you're talking about this, and again, talking about history and so forth, I'm sure that I've mentioned this. However, one of my early mentors, I remember being in the field and I was training a dog and I was watching him in a adjourning field training a dog. And he was doing a technique that I'd never seen before. And, you know, like he sort of saw me watching and stopped and sort of walked off and put the dog away. And we're up in the tea room having morning tea. And I said, Oh, just watching you do something with a dog. I haven't seen that movement before. Could you explain to me? It was to do with long leads and I'd never really worked with long leads back then. And I said, could you show it to him? And he said, no. And Mm. I said, why? And he goes, because then you'll know what I know. Mm. And I said, man, that's kind of sinister, you know, like that you're not prepared to me and I'm here making money for your business. And he said, yeah, well, you know, learn it yourself. Yeah. So that's, that's an interesting mindset to have. Right. Yeah. And for sure, there's people that have that mindset. And I think that's, you know, we probably call that a famine mindset where it's like. I'd call that a jealous mindset. Yeah. But I think like I put that into the category of like there's abundance mindset and Mm. there's famine mindset. And I think that that's in the famine, whereas like there's not enough. Mm. Right. Like, so if I give you what I have, there's not enough for all of us. Right. One of my favorite movies. I think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. And it's not that good a movie, but I love the idea of it. So mm-hmm. I love it. It's called Sunshine, right? Because do you know that one? Have you ever no, seen that? I don't that? think I do. So it's set in sort of a, a not too distant future where the sun is- I, go- I do know it. Yeah. yeah when the, it's a space movie. Yeah. The yes. sun is yeah. going out mm-hmm. and they're on this mission. This The whole world has come together yes. to uh, put together this- huge bomb that is going to hopefully reignite the sun. Mm. And they're the second mission. The first mission was lost. And that's kind of the plot of the movie is Mm. them kind of encountering the first mission. But the idea is that there's no second chance. They have mined all the nuclear material from the earth to use it on this bomb. And if they're not successful, everybody's dead. And so the path along the way is really interesting because they deal with all these complex topics about like how important are you in the greater scheme of things? Mm. And the, my favorite character is the pilot. I can't remember the guy, his name in it, but he's Captain America. You know, the guy yep. that plays Captain America. It was before Captain America. It's him. Yes, and Chris he's something. Yeah. Mm. He's like mission focused. He, mm. he doesn't kill anyone. Sorry. He, do, he doesn't kill anyone. He, he kills everyone. Mm. Right. Cause he's like, he's like, I don't give a fuck. We're not going back. Like, I don't care what happens along the way. Like the mission is getting achieved. Yep. So there's some really complex sort of things along that where it's, I can't remember how we got to this, but there's not enough for famine, all of us. Famine oh, mindset. so we're talking about the, at one point, there's not enough oxygen on the ship. Spoiler yep. alert. There's not enough oxygen on the ship for them all to survive. Something goes wrong. Yep. And he's like, well, we kill the navigator because the navigation is done. Like yep. there's not enough for all of us. And so like, if we're going to survive, he has to go. And they're sort of umming and ahhing about the ethics of that. And he's like, there's no, there's no ethics like, mm. I'll go kill him. It's no problem for me. Like, we're all dying anyway. This is a one-way mission. Mm. Whether he dies today or tomorrow, who gives a fuck, right? Like, it's all over. So I think some people can get cut into that mindset where there isn't enough, right? I can't share with you because there isn't enough, right? Like, if you have some of mine, that means I will no longer be successful. And I think in dog training, this is the furthest from the truth. There is no shortage of people fucking up their dogs. Yeah, I know. But we (laughs) talked about this the other day where people get very scared about the limelight vanishing from them. Have you seen that movie 
He's got multiple personalities and he kidnaps these girls and one of them he's called the Beast. Oh, uh, yeah. Called? Um, um, I can't remember. It's the second in that trilogy. I think it's Split or something like that. But Fracture or something like that. Yeah. He's all these multiple personalities, but they're all vying for time in the light. Yeah. You know, like all the personalities want to have the time and they talk about this categorically. Now, I see a lot of trainers like this as well where they're so fucking – protective of that light. They just do not want to take it off them. They're sucking as much of that light energy as they can. And as soon as another trainer comes along with a little bit of talent, they're even trying to sabotage that trainer because they're thinking, no fucking way. Mm. I don't want that light going over to you. Mm. I want it all for me. Like they're the epitome of that Daffy Duck where they're going, mine, mine, mine. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole fucking pot of gold and you could all get rich from it. But they're going, no, no, I want the light. It's all mine. You can't have any. I don't want to steer any towards you. Give it all to me. Mm. And they're fucking obsessed by it. Like, mm. they're so obsessed, their whole life starts rotting out from underneath them, and they don't realize that they become the mm. A lot of swearing today, Glenn. <laughs> a lot of energy. <laughs> well, it's a passionate topic of mine, to be honest, because 30 years in the industry, you get to see a lot of people come and go, and you see a lot of people trying to destroy other people in this industry. Yeah. There's so many wonderful things about this dog training industry. So many things I love about it. And part of the reason that you and I are here and that we're doing this and we're giving our time to do this as well is that I love this industry. This mm. industry supports me. You know, this industry has given me so much, but it's taken so much too. Mm. You so know. that's where I want to get to down the line. Is okay. I've got kind of a trajectory okay, you, I want to talk yep. about that. So I think for sure what you've just spoken about is there's people who really don't want to pass it on because then you would be you would know as much or more than them, right? Mm. And that's their special, that's their that's their precious information and they're going to use it, but they're not going to disseminate it. And they're going to be careful how they do that in front of you, who, who they do that in front of so that they don't get passed on. Mm. But there's another category that I, can be hard to distinguish from that. And this is where we kind of have to be careful putting people into brackets. Like when we say, oh, you're one of them, when you might actually be one of those, where we say, like, if some people might ask you something and you go, I can't really answer that because- I would first have to tell you, you know, 40 other things, right? So what looks like yeah, to fair. you, yeah, yeah, but mm. that's what I mean, right? So what looks like to you is a one-liner, yep. right? Why do you do that? Well, because it stops this, right? And if you were to do that in isolation, maybe it would go really bad and I know that. So I have to just not pass on that information to you because the collect, like you, you're not ready to receive the, the whole package. You've seen the punchline but you're not ready to receive the whole thing or I'm worried about your foundation, right? So like if you have a particular foundation in dog training and mm. then like you have a particular style and I know how you go, if you see me do something that would, your trajectory would put that in a really unsafe place, mm. right? So like, you know, if you're just a, an example of this in dog training would be say use of punishment with tools, right? So like, I don't want some people seeing what I would do with a prong collar on a dog because I don't want, that would be their starting point, right? And they, you know, they might see that and then say, oh, that's how you fix that problem. You go, yeah, that's the last bit. Yep. Like that final aversion I'm giving the dog to that thing that he's trying to do mm. 
is not the whole picture. That is the final piece. Yeah. And you will see it be extremely effective, right? You will watch, but that's kind of like lighting the birthday candle that's on the cake. The cake is what's actually fucking important. You watch me light the candle, mm. right? And that's the finished piece, but I'm, I don't want you getting right to setting the dog on fire because you forgot about the cake, right? Yep. We first had to prepare the dog. We had to, you know, like, and to get to that point in training where we're going to go, okay, like- this is where we're going to make the behavior aversive. Here comes, mm. here comes three big pops on that prong collar, right? Well, prior to that, I first developed a relationship with the dog. I've also, you know, shown the dog that I can bring reinforcement. I've perhaps shown the dog what I do want him to do. I've used some negative reinforcement with that prong collar to show him that it can be a guiding tool, right? Mm. And I then put him in a situation where he, you know, I control arousal to make him make the right choice a few times. And then I finally put him in the highest state of arousal where, like, I, I will intentionally booby trap the dog to make the wrong choice so that I can show him the consequence for having made the wrong choice. And if if I show you that and you just see that piece, a lot of people will then go, oh, sweet, got it, right? Mm. We take the dog out in front of his trigger and we just crank him on the prong collar and that will stop it. And so we might protect that piece of information and choose not to pass that on because in isolation, it's incorrect. It's part of a small piece of part of a much bigger picture. And I think sometimes, depending on how well people are teachers, they might choose to like show that piece knowing that they can easily explain the rest, mm. right? But if they don't think that they can, or if the student or the listener, the audience, whatever, is perhaps not going to be ready to receive that, it's safer to not show that end piece yep. so that there could be no misconstruing along the way. Yeah. And that certainly happened along the way with electric collars. Absolutely. To use an analogy of what you're speaking about now, because I've spoken about something like this in the past, whereas if you've got a jigsaw puzzle and you've been painstakingly putting it together, that's a lot of work to construct that, especially when you don't know where all the pieces go. But if somebody comes along and you've got like 10 bits to go, it's very easy for them to come along and go, oh, this one goes there and that one goes there and that one goes there. So you're you're at the end and you can see where those pieces easily fall into place. But they also don't know all the construction that had to go on around it. They can just see the end of the picture, but they can't tell you how difficult it was to actually create it. And as you said, they don't know the bones of it or the foundations of it that you were trying to build along the way. Mm. The other thing that I've seen too with this, when we explain about why people don't want to share this information so readily, and some of them aren't that type of bad person that we're trying to create, there are also people that are getting ready to market something and other people, which I've seen happen in this industry, you know, as you've said, 30 years in the industry, you see people do some pretty extreme things. So what they'll do is the person will show them what they're doing at, in good faith. That person will then take it from them and beat them to market with yeah. it. That is a horror of a person. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've seen people do that before and I think you absolute shocker of a human being. Mm. You know, this person was ready to bundle up their job. Now, some people say, well, you know, fortune favors the bold mm -hmm. or whatever, well, mm -hmm. go and get fucked. Yeah. So I can elaborate on that as well, right? So there might be two reasons you're upset about that, right? And certainly one would be the obvious, and that's that this person is now, you know, whatever you've been working on, whatever you've been getting ready to put out there, they've beat you to it, they've taken the credit for it, they've got the money for it, you mm. know, that kind of thing. But the other, and this has happened to me, is it's not finished, Yeah. right? And so- it's misconstrued. Yeah. So, you know, like right now, you know, I've just finished Ivan's course, right? Yep. And there's some places I really see where, you know, I can like having spent so much time 
understanding Nepopo and really getting to the, you know, I, I understand that shit, right? Like yeah, I, I think I do, right? Mm. In my version of it, I've been teaching it for a long time and I've been using it. It's really successful. And I've just learned some really cool things from Ivan as well, right? Some really awesome stuff. And I really, I perfectly see how some of them are going to dovetail together. I've had that fall into place for me and I, I'm super excited. I've been using it on a bunch of dogs. You saw it out in like it with the club, like we, things that we had band-aids on, like little issues with dogs mm. that we had like a band-aid holding together that yeah. was going to be fine and was going to work. We've now like completely re-rendered and, and fixed using putting those things together. Mm -hmm. But like I'm still playing with that and I'm still bringing it together. And the club for me is my – it's my proofing ground, right? Mm. Because everything that I'm eventually going to put out and teach to people and, and take money for teaching, I first have to teach to somebody and fuck up, right? Because the last thing I want is to put something out publicly. And then realize it's not effective. Yeah. And go, mm. shit, it only worked on my yep. dog, right? Like, and it only worked with me doing it. And so therefore I have not passed, like, I'm not going to put something out that only works on my dog, mm. right? I'm going to try it on a bunch of other dogs. But then before I teach it in a forum like this where I'm not there to say, oh, no, no, you've misconstrued this. Like if I'm going to put it out here, people are going to listen to it and they're going to do whatever they're going to do, right? I need to have it work on my dog. I need to have it work on other dogs in my hands. Then I have to explain it to somebody else mm. and watch what they do with my explanation. And I have to do that to multiple people so that I can go, oh, this person saw like their takeaway was this part of it. And the other person's takeaway was this part of it. And then mm. I can develop a picture of like, oh, I've, I've put the emphasis on the wrong thing or it's going well. I've put the emphasis on the right thing. And I need to teach that over and over and over. And the club for me is that proofing ground, right? They're people who I trust to have that information and, you know, use it correctly. Well, use it in the way that they understand, right? Mm. And then I get to stand back and watch what they're doing with their dog and make sure that they're not going to cause themselves an issue. Yeah, they're you're not cultivating gonna it. That's right. Mm. And I get to stand there and watch what they're doing and then go, whoa, whoa, stop. That's not what I meant, mm. right? Because by the time I make a video and put it online or by the time I mention something on this podcast, it's too late. Mm. Like someone could just listen to it. That's right. And then they're, they're into doing it without me there going, whoa, whoa, you've misunderstood. So that's why like I'm reasonably good at passing this stuff on because it's not like I don't just like spit out ideas, right? They're mm. tested. They're like by the you time I'm- Exactly. Mm. But so I can see to your point is when if you are saying something to a fellow trainer or they see you doing something, you say, hey, it's something I'm playing with at the moment, right? Like this is where I'm kind of going with it. And then they go like, sweet, got it. They make a video explaining it. And then you're like, fuck, now it's out there. Mm. And I've seen that happen with the box. Yeah, oh, I've, totally. I've mate. seen multiple videos that have come out of the box that have been explained terribly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm guilty of that a little bit. Like you, know, that box episode that we did, this is episode four of the podcast. This is episode 100 161. 161, mm. right? So like, I've gotten better at talking of course, in that time. And, and teaching it and refining it. And, yeah. that, and that's what you do. And I mean, in order to be successful and to be able to have a long-term career, you've got to learn to evolve. Yeah. You know, and that evolution and adaptation, you know, we talk about that in the survivalism of species. Well, that's the survivalism of knowledge dissemination as well. Mm. And, you know, you're talking about things that resonate really well with me because, again, to bring up the old ADT days, one of the things that I really loved about it was the think tanks that we used to sit around the table and argue about philosophies and ideas and, you know, like we'd say, oh, no, no, that's not going to work. And we'd say, well, get dogs out. Let's prove it. Yeah. You know, I loved that shit. And I know I talk about it fondly because it's days where 
we did extensive experimentation on things. Like NDTF students will see me do something and they'll say, how did you do that? And I said, look, that's 30 years. I said, just trust me, just do what you're doing now. You know, just work on this. And I said, and build your way up. And mm. I said, this is the Silum Tau. I know I've talked about the Silum Tau before, but this is the Silum Tau. You need to perfect this. This is the foundations of everything. And I said, if I can't do this after 30 years, I'd be a disgrace and I shouldn't be teaching you guys. Because I'll look at me and then they get slightly intimidated when they see me. Do- it's simple skills, but it's because I know how to do it, you know, and I can take a dog off them and the dog will respond immediately to me. They go, how? And I said, by doing what you're doing now and then working up to it. I practice. Yes, I practice. And, you know, like this is time in the saddle. Using that metaphor, it's when you talk to horse riders and you watch them ride a horse, time in the saddle. Mm. It's the same thing, like learning to play guitar. Like I'm, I've am i been fumbling my way through it. I can finally hear music coming out of my fingers now. And, mate, I'm telling you, if you know a guitarist, you know a person that's fucking suffered because my fingers hurt all they don't hurt as bad now but they hurt so bad when I was learning mm. and that is struggle and that is sufferance mm. like it fucking hurts you know you go to bed and you can feel you you can feel a heartbeat in all four of your fingers like my fingers feel like cardboard at the moment but it's paying off you know like i can hear melodies and i can i can start to you know my fingers are moving faster but and the same thing happens in dog training mm. it happens after time there's a lot like your hands hurt in dog training when you're handling multiple dogs yeah. hundreds and hundreds of dogs like i've got mild arthritis in my fingers and stuff like that from years and years and years of working leads and working dogs and you know like just even toting dogs in and out of kennels time after time after time but there is no way that you'll learn those skills other than A, having appropriate mentors and B, time in the saddle. Mm. Those two things have to combine, mm. you know, and also your acquisition of knowledge as well. Like it's a layer cake and every layer is important because all of it has to stack up and you have to be in the moment and you have to be present for all of that, that the ingredients of that cake to, to be perfect. Otherwise, you know, and again, metaphorically, this is a souffle and your souffle will never rise and it won't hold its composition if all of those ingredients and that perfect setting don't make sense. Mm. Those are the reasons I can think of mm. right now mm. as to why people may not want to pass on information. Yeah. Right. And I think there's been certainly instances of that that I've encountered in my life yep. because I th- like w- I was thinking really hard about this as I was sort of listening to this podcast, like where do I fit on this spectrum, right? Like because sometimes and with some things I, you know, freely give away a lot of information and other times it's like, no, we're on the clock, like you have to pay me, right? Yep. And like how did I get to that point? And, you know, I've sort of am interested in that. And I remember – so I've been incredibly lucky through my life, right? From the early days when I first really wanted to learn a lot about dogs and got into it, from hanging out with Sam and the amount of information that he just gave to me, right? Like I've never given him a cent and he's given me so much information and a fuck my dog for fuck's sake, right? Like, and how did it, like I get that and the amount of information that I got from Bart and we used to, you know, all the shit that he's taught me over the years and like I've gotten a lot of that for free. Mm. I've also paid a lot and- yeah, I've I've been to a lot of events and I've paid to go to a lot of seminars and um, Mate, you've earned your knowledge. Let yeah. me tell you, you've earned your knowledge. So I've paid in time and in money in some you've instances. You've earned your knowledge. Right? I can tell you that in good faith. I mean, you know, I've followed you along a degree of your journey, and I know that you have paid in blood, sweat, and tears for your knowledge. Well, thank you. 
But so like, and I think back to when I first started coming out to the club here, right? Mm. Before it was the PSA club and it was just a little dog just, training group. Just hanging right? out. Yep. The amount of info I got from you then and like on how to run classes. And so like I've been incredibly lucky to have all these right people come into the right place at the right time throughout my whole life. So I'm really acutely aware of that, right? Like I've luck is a huge determinant in luck and being helped by others has been a huge determinant in everything that's happened in my life. Yeah. But a few years ago, many years ago, I remember somebody asked me something. I can't even remember what it was. I've been racking my fucking brain trying to remember what the actual advice was. But somebody, another dog trainer had asked me in a private message about something. And I just was like, yeah, this, right? Like whatever it was. And we had this like back and forth because, you know, in my mind, I was talking to a peer mm-hmm. and they were, it was just, I was either still in the army or just gotten out. I can't remember. And it was someone and it was just like, here you go. Here's the information back and forth. Oh yeah. You learned something cool. Like that's a nice little fun conversation. And a couple of days later, or maybe it was a week later, I can't remember. Somebody in the balance symposium asked the same question, mm-hmm. right? And I looked at the comments and the person that I had had this conversation with had said, yeah, like I can sort that for you, but you'll need to book a session. And I remember thinking this fucking asshole, (laughs) right? Yeah. Because I gave you that information and now you're going to fucking sell the information that I gave you. Mm -hmm. Like you got given it for free and now you're going to fucking sell it. Like how dare you? And it pissed me off a lot, yep. right? And it stopped me for a little while commenting. And you know when you first start, like you see people do it less and less as they sort of need to develop clients or establish themselves or whatever, but you join all these groups and you're really active in the groups, like, you know, throwing out your hot tips and having these conversations with people because I guess like a lot of times people kind of trying to establish themselves as like, hey, guys, I know stuff, right? Mm. And certainly I did that for sure. Like when you when you first sort of arrive and like I'd been training for, you know, quite a while like offline yep. <laughs> and then when I left the army, it was like, oh, wow, there's a whole dog training community I didn't know anything about, right? then it's like, oh, okay, well, I have to sort of online. It's not an ego thing, although to an extent it is, but you sort of like, hey, like here's a bunch of answers to questions. And It's you a kind that- of punishment. It's a kind of punishment. What do you mean? It's a kind of punishment that you have those type of experiences because, you know, like in the past, I've paraphrased other people and I've tried to give them credit for, you know, like I'll say, oh, Boyd taught me that or I heard that Esther saying that or Pat said this or something like that. And I will say the name of the person, like I'll tag them into the knowledge that I acquired. Now, I've heard people and seen them online paraphrasing things that I've generated and never giving me credit for it, you know, and then kind of like, oh, this is mine. Mm. And I think, you motherfucker, Mm. you know, like that's mine. Like I agonized over coming up with that analogy and you've used it and you're getting all the fucking likes for it Mm. and never said, oh, I heard that from Glenn. I know it's petty. You know, I know it's petty, but sometimes that's a punishment. Like you look at that and you, you just stew on those type of things and mm. think, you know, we on this podcast, like we've multiple times said, oh, we got this from this person, this person, this person. But when I've seen it and read it and so forth, and I've heard with my own fucking ears when people have said it, I'm thinking, how dare you? Mm. Like that is so rude and so disrespectful, but that's people. Yeah. So it's interesting to see the lines then that like that is a situation for you that is then like, fuck you to those people. For me, it was really like, that concerns me less than when people want to sell something that I've given them. Like that really got under my skin. Mm. And and it, it doesn't so much now. But what, at the, What's the difference? Well, 
what's, think, the di- what's the difference? I think, you know, knowledge is like it's this relay race, right? So it's like someone gave it to you, you give it to them. And, and, and maybe if you agonized over, you know, everything that we just take for granted. So if you wrote a book, okay, and you published a book and you had and you saw somebody paraphrasing you online and never gave you credibility for it, that's a legal issue. Yeah, that's right. So they're kind of stealing from you. Well, in a way, yeah. But mm. it depends on the context in which they do that. Yeah. And so, you know, literally everything that we do day to day, like you didn't invent. Like, no, no, no. It, like no. like we go back to this microphone. Like I didn't invent this microphone. Yeah. I'm using the fuck out of it. People, yeah. are, people are getting the info via this microphone. Yeah. I haven't got a clue how it came to be. Mm. I just know that I can pass it on. But someone at Road spent- a long time putting this together. And they learned it from somebody else in the industry too. So for me, it kind of, that's what, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, I'm not saying that if I, if I say something, yeah. let me, let me go back. The example you use where you agonize over and you came up with this perfect example, this perfect way to explain a concept, mm. right? And you were like into that and it, it was hours of work, right? To really figure that out. And you beta tested it on a bunch of people. And we, you try out all these different things and you see it click and you try again, exactly like I spoke about with the club, right? You see it click and you go, yes, okay, I figured it out. I finally got to the right point. No one knows you did that, right? So when you put out this info to a new person, that's common dog fuck mm. because it's just the info, right? They don't know that there was 30 years that led to that point. That's just the way it is. And that's how knowledge is, right? It's the relay race. And again, I've used this example a thousand times, but I just think that it, it's the best is we all use scent tubes, mm. right? Pat Nolan one day was like, I'm going to go to the hardware store. I'm going to get these PVC pipes yep. and I'm going to make them look like this. And I'm going to teach dogs how to, imp- I'm going to imprint scent on that. Mm. And now it's just what you do. Yeah. Everybody just does it. Mm. And so the amount of people that would say like, oh, how do I imprint scent? Oh, you just get these tubes. Mike Suttle makes really good ones and sells them. You could go, or you can go to the hardware. You know, like there's, it's just fact yeah. and people just throw it out there. Mm. But I bet Pat Nolan at, doesn't look at that and go like, oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> or does right? he? Well, maybe, <laughs> knowing Pat, I highly doubt I it. I doubt right? it either. He's such a gentleman. But so, you know what I mean? Like that was hard fucking earned knowledge yep. that he probably, you know, was a pioneer, mm. right? I, I love using this as an example. People probably go, Pat, we're sick of hearing about it. But like, to me, it's a bedrock thing because it's just common dog fuck. It's what everybody does, mm. right? Do people know that saying or is that an army saying common dog fuck? I think it's an army saying. <laughs> common knowledge, right? Yeah. I think it comes from you don't have to teach dogs to fuck. So you say it's common dog fuck. Like they figure oh, yeah, it out. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I've just been educated because I've never <laughs> used that one before. <laughs> yeah. So it's common knowledge. It's mm. just what you do. Yeah. You just do that. Yep. But no, he, we can go back to him as we think him as a source. He doesn't even take credit for it. He says that he's the first person he knew of. He didn't learn it from someone else. He thought about it, right? But maybe somebody else somewhere was doing it and looks at him and, and hears me talk about it and just like kicks their fucking dashboard. And they're like, no, I did that in the fifties. Not when he did it in wherever, right? Like, mm. so all these things that are hard fought, they're passed on and it had to have come from somewhere. And I kind of acknowledge that not to say like, I'm not cheapening your experience. Like I've certainly have had that where you've, seen someone quote you verbatim and I have had that for sure. And I actually had, I think I spoke about this in the podcast once as well. I had a very gratifying experience to see some follow-up questions they couldn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, good luck. Mm. Right. 
and didn't come to their rescue even when they even when they eventually tagged, tagged me. you. Yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know, I, I can't answer that, right? Yep. So I was like, no, you're on your own. Mm. Probably wouldn't do that anymore. Without sounding petty about it, there's people in the industry who wouldn't know who I am and wouldn't have known that I've ever said it or anything like that. Like I've seen them say things before and I thought, oh, that's just been echoed through. Mm. They don't know. But when it's somebody that's been close to you and you know that they've grabbed it off you and then taken it and like marketed it as their own, again, I know that's probably being a little bit petty. But, you know, there are times where I've seen that and I thought, you son of a bitch. Mm. Whereas if it was me reversed and I heard it off them, I'd say, oh, I got this from them. Yeah. Yeah. But you would so long as you knew that it really was from them and that there was work that went into it. Yeah. Right? Like it's possible that both of us have just echoed things that we've heard thinking, you know, like like I do this, like I, I love listening to Jay talk about the way he trains dogs because, mm. you know, he is a teacher of many things and has great analogies and has great ways to explain he many, does. many things, right? Mm. And so I've been guilty of stealing plenty of these things and I usually will say, you know, this is something I got from Jay because I genuinely like the idea of, crediting but also then if people want more detail on that or if that really resonates with them i want go to them, the original author. yeah i want them mm. to know where to go back to the source yeah i listen to all the dog training conversations podcasts i listen to a bunch of jay's grc well no no the all the grc ones but yep. and but a bunch of his jay jack uncensored yep so like i probably steal heaps of shit from him and don't even realize Right, And maybe they were hard fought things that he agonized over and sat there with his notebook and really tried to figure out. Mm, mm. And it's just so ingrained in me that I'm reciting his words without realizing it. And therefore I don't give any credit. Mm. Like that's totally possible as well. It's a complex kind of thing, right? You know, I think we've had this discussion multiple times, even when we've just been sitting out in the shed and talking. I mean, we've all borrowed this material, like I think Skinner and Pavlov and Thorndike and all of those people that we reference as the great behaviorists who sort of set up the foundation for everything, they'd be rolling in their grave. They'd probably be listening to us if they could come back as, or if they're in the room of spirits now listening to us, if you're here, thanks guys. If they could hear this, they'd be going, you sons of bitches, like all that stuff's mine. But we usually say that too, you know, like we usually say this is from BF Skinner or something like that. Yeah. I reckon me and Skinner, if there is a Skinner ghost kicking around, we would have a complex relationship. You because, reckon? Oh, yeah. Because I, I I, speak so highly of him in some cases and fucking shitmouth him in others. Mm. Like, it's amazing to me how correct. He's a great example of how- He was am- right at the time. Well, he, how amazingly correct he is about some things and yep. how devastatingly wrong he is about others. Yeah. Like, it's quite, it's, it's amazing. Mm. And- like the not, whole, not everybody is always right. Yeah, like his whole idea of errorless learning has destroyed many dogs yep. and people, mm. right? Like has probably driven thousands of people to suicide yep. because they've like people have raised kids in an errorless learning yep. and then when they leave that nest and they go out into the real cope. world, they fucking crumble. Yeah. It's one great thing at the sacrifice of many others. Oh, mate. So one of the interesting things in, in the army at the moment is because this PC world and like the whole you can't be mean to anybody kind of thing, that's even encroached in the army to, to an extent. And what's happened is it only exists in the training establishments because they're the ones that are accountable to 
that kind of nonsense, right? Because mm. they're RTOs, they're, they're registered training organizations, just like you know you are as the as an NDTF person, right? Yep. So, like, there's a standards that you have to meet, and you can't bully people, and you can't be mean to them, and all that kind of stuff, which is fair and true, and you should that should be the case. But so what happens is these people join the army, they go to basic training. And it's like you can – I don't know if it's still there, but there was a period there where at basic training you could like yellow card your instructors. If they were being too mean to you, you could be like, hey, you have to stop. Like that's mean to me, right? So what happens in warfare well, but, when no, your enemy is – They don't even get there, mate, because what happens is – so there's this whole generation of kids in the army basically that were babied through their training. And so they what happens in the army is you do your basic training – Everybody does. No, no matter no matter what job you're going to do, you you got to. It's where you mm. learn to iron your fucking bed and all kinds of dumb shit, right? And then you go to your employment training, right? Your IAT, your initial employment training, where you learn the skill of what you're going to do in the army. Yep. And that's a training establishment as well. And so you know, like for me, I went to basic training at Kapuka, and I was in a, an infantry. Well, it was what ended up being a glide path to special forces platoon. So ours was a little bit different. Mm. And then you go to the school of infantry where you get there and you're swinging your arms. And I remember the foot, like when I got there, because you, you drive in the middle of the night, you arrive in this place and everybody gets off and you've just left boot camp. You're like swinging your arms all like a, you know, like you do and you imagine the strictest army. Mm. I remember the duty officer yelling at us like, stop swinging your arms like fucking idiots. <laughs> he goes, we're killers, not drillers. Yep. And I was like, oh, uh, this is different, right? But anyway, so your employment training is then they're an RTO because they're giving you a qualification. They're mm. teaching you things. Yep. So what's happened is it's like this errorless learning can't be mean to everybody. Everybody gets a retest until they pass. You're not allowed to tell people they've failed anything because that will upset them. You have to guide them to understanding it, blah, 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 blah. Don't say the word test satisfactory or not yet satisfactory. Exactly, right? Yep. So that exists all the way up till your training is complete and then you go to your actual job mm. and your platoon sergeant goes – you will be at this place at this time or I will fucking destroy you. Like I will charge you. I will take your money. It's back to the real world. And these kids crumble, mm. right? Because they're not prepared for the army. They've been in this like weird false little space, this errorless learning. No one can get anything wrong. Don't worry. You'll be helped. You'll be guided. No one will ever be mean to you. If somebody's too mean to you, you can complain. You can go see like the equivalent of human resources. You can, you know, you can, get out of this like there's there's no consequences you can do whatever the fuck you want yep. if you say your instructor's bad mean to you he'll get fired right all this kind of stuff and then you go into the real world and it's like hey there's nowhere to go and right? the enemy doesn't apply by those rules no well they don't even get this doesn't really exist so much in the arms cause right like yep. people who are actually gonna be fighting right yep. but in the support cause it's really you know it's bad so like you you train as a mechanic in the army and you've been fully trained up and it's been this whole like you know errorless learning kind of process then you get to your unit and you're fixing apcs or whatever and they're like you didn't do this right they yell at you they expect you to be somewhere on time if you're not like they can charge you they'll take your money they take your pay off there's all these kind of things and there's, yep. there's consequences like in the normal world right that and people fall apart because they're not being prepared for that. That's mm. errorless learning and the consequences of it. And it's, I mean, it's exactly what we see in dogs when people who like, oh no, errorless learning, never let the dog be in a position to get it wrong. Well, he will eventually. And you haven't prepared him for what will go wrong. Mm. Right. Totally that's, agree. That's the dangers of that. And so Skinner was all about that. Skinner was the errorless learning guy. I think that's a problem with a lot of early mentors is that you can't take everything they did as that's the sage advice and that's the only advice to go with. Like it's still safe to question people, you know, to ask questions and to realize that sometimes they just didn't have all the right answers. Mm. 
And this mm. is, I know you do, and I know that I do, and multiple great teachers that I've worked with over time, they encourage people to ask them questions. And also, if, they ca- if they're presented with better information, they'll take it on board. Yeah. They'll say, okay, it. I'm replacing, you know, like Jay did when he worked out that he was getting murdered by his first jujitsu guy, when he suffocated him in front of his students, he said, okay, everything that we've done in the past is shit. We're closing down and we're going to learn this way. It's far superior than what we're learning. Mm. You know, I mean- Geez, that takes a great deal of fortitude to be able to do something like that in front of all your students and say, I'm not teaching you anymore. I'm shutting mine down. We're going to learn from him. Yeah. And then rebuilding yourself and restructuring yourself under that. That's pretty amazing. That's yeah. pretty commendable. It's rare. That's rare. It's very rare. Geez, sure. he's getting a good plug, Jay. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's, he's a very good instructor. He's great. He's yeah. one of the best. I love listening to that guy talk because it's real world and he's really not about the bullshit. Yeah. Jay's very much like you are. He'll out himself. You know, if he fucks something up, he'll just say, oh, that, that's me. You know? Yeah, oh, we have very similar personalities yes. in some ways, yeah. Yeah. So back to the topic, disseminating information, why you wouldn't, we've really heavily covered, mm. why you should, right, and the terms under which people will do that. So some people straight up give away everything, mm-hmm. right? Like absolutely, here is everything that I know. And, you know, a lot of those people – are not dog trainers. So they don't actually make any money. It's like, you know, overwhelmingly the majority of the really good dog trainers I know are not professional dog trainers. Mm. They're just like, it's their hobbyists. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what keeps it pure for them. I think like Mm. they don't get involved in any of the bullshit and they never take on anything. They don't want to like, they're literally, it's like, you don't ride a bike. You don't want to ride. Mm. Right. You never, no one ever turns up in some motorbike that you're like, Oh fuck. I have to ride this fucking thing. Mm. Like that doesn't happen to you because it's a hobby. No one's paying you to ride a bike. Right. So I think for the people who are just straight hobby, don't try and make money out of it, just do it because they love it, dog trainers, some of them are by far and away the best. Mm. And a lot of them will pass on information 100% willingly and freely because it isn't of any value to them. It doesn't have a monetary value. Yes, that's right. There's, right? there's nothing to be exclusive over. Yeah, and mm. they're happy to talk dogs mm. Because it's their hobby and they're like, oh, finally someone that wants to listen, yep. right? Like, you know, like if, if they – and they're the guy at the party and this is certainly, you know, what I was before I was a professional dog trainer. They're the one, you know, people talk about, oh, the, at, the, at the dinner party, don't let anyone know you're a dog trainer or else you'll be giving dog training advice. Mm. Well, I used to be like, hey, guys, I'm a dog trainer, right? Like who wants free dog training advice? Because that's all I'm interested in talking to you idiots about, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I don't want to talk about which fucking knife and fork we use first in this bullshit, right? Like yep. let's talk about something that I'm interested in. That's what I'm heavily interested in when it's your job now it's like oh shit i feel like i'm at work right Mm. but then it's a whole nother thing yeah it's a passion so i think that's a reason for sure people want to give away knowledge as much as possible Mm. i think another reason as i was kind of hypothesizing this is that like it's that the circular nature of it in that you know by giving you receive all right and so if i'm gonna just openly share with you someone has to take the first step and so maybe you then openly share with me yeah and Maybe our two ideas combined come up with a fantastic, maybe they dovetail together or you've got the piece I'm missing that, you know, I've been looking for or whatever. And so that could be another reason, right, that I think people just but give away But that's what I was talking about before is that think tanking situation yeah. where, you know, like multiple minds can look at it because, you know, sometimes if you're looking at it from a two-dimensional point of view, you never really discover the solution that you've been looking for, mm-hmm. where somebody adds a third dimension or another dimension to it and you're thinking, that's something I would never have thought of. Mm. Like you're just so stuck fast on a, a mindset that you're not willing to look outside that and you've, you're so close to the problem but you can't see the solution. 
where to somebody else, they're looking at it and they're going, oh, here's a solution. And you're thinking, I would never have come at it from that angle. And I really appreciate that when you can come together with peers and colleagues and it just, I mean, it makes life so much easier. Mm -hmm. Looking outside the box is a really important thing. I read a a book many, many, many years ago. There was a part in it talking about inventors Mm. and a lot of inventors have two traits, right? And so what happens a lot of the time for like, you know, not who are professional inventors, but people who have fixed the problem, right? Yeah. Is because, you know, like plaster clipping, like the, the clips that go now, it used to be, you know, when you were like putting up like chip rock or whatever, you had to pack out the wall. Yep. And now they've got these studs that's just common. Everybody uses them. You put them on and then it's got a variable thing on it where you attach the chip rock, right? Yep. To attach yep. so you can make it level. It does a terrible job explaining something I don't really know. <laughs> but so the guy that invented that was a welder, like a machinist. Yep. And then got sick of doing that and then was working in construction and was packing out walls plaster and was like, this is stupid. Why are we doing it this way? I could make a clip that will change this. And it revolutionized the way that you lay gyp rock right now, yep. right? Because he had a set of skills that dovetailed into another set of skills, yep. right? And I feel like that's one of the cool things about when pet dog trainer or bite work guys talk to detection guys or, you know, uh, bomb dog trainers talk to gun dog trainers mm. and all that kind of stuff because then you go like, oh, wait, what? Right? So, you know, I've got a client, Sue, who does movie film dog stuff and I don't know shit about that. I know absolutely nothing about it. Mm. But then there's some spots where I go, oh, that sounds like detection, right? Like, and I know how to do that. Mm. Like, you need a dog to do a behavior and be focused that way. It's That sounds a lot like a final condition response for odor, mm-hmm. um, even though that's not what's happening. But I know how to train that. So, I probably, this will work. And we can we can collaborate. We can talk and, like, figure things out together yep. because we have, we're talking about the same concept, but from different approaches. And mm. I'm sure some of what I say, she probably just goes, like, just humors me and lets me say it out loud because it's totally irrelevant. But finally, and you other get things, that gem. Yeah, other things mm. dovetail perfectly together. Yeah. So I feel like that's a really cool reason to be putting out knowledge and having those kind of conversations. Mm. Then I thought there's a sort of a sinister way that people put out knowledge as well, right? Like if we're going to talk about the whole gamut. You're talking about misinformation? Yep. Mm-hmm. So the, for sure, there's people who put out bullshit information yep. so that people aren't chasing around their, their real information, right? To like intentionally lay a false track, Yep. right? Which I think sucks. Yeah, it does. Right? And I think- I know people, it doesn't raise the roof. It Well, it's not in the interest of dogs. Like I think overwhelmingly what we're all doing, and this is kind of the point, I'm going to give away the punchline of where this was all going, is like we're all trying to, you know, increase the lives and like the the quality of life. Of, well, we're trying to raise the ceiling. Yeah, the know. quality of life of pet dogs, mm. the, the workability of working dogs. We're all trying to push that forward. Yep. And if you give misinformation- then you are not doing that, Mm. right? Like you are probably decreasing the quality of life of pet dogs. You are decreasing the workability of working dogs by giving away that misinformation. One of the things that really does puzzle me is the amount of, like if you probably look at decades ago and I've had the good fortune of being in it and, and probably the unfortunate situation of being in it. But if you look at it, whereas there was bad training 30 years ago, it puzzles me that that training has still survived and still being passed along. Like it's still a mantle that's been passed to other people. Mm-hmm. Like that really puzzles me. And I guess one of the reasons it really does puzzle me is that we've got the internet and we've got 
social media and so forth. And you've actually got so many videos that you can watch other people do so much great work. Like, as you said, there's so much information out there that's disseminated, that's free, free to access. Like you can become a great trainer with watching free content that people have put online. If you're intelligent enough and you piece it together well enough and you can categorize it and you understand where it fits into the scheme of your timeline in training, you can do some wondrous things. Yeah. But yet, the thing that does puzzle me is how did all the shit that's been around a long time ago still manage to survive? That People still guard it like a cherished secret, mm. you know, like it's an heirloom that they've passed along to each other where people will show it to me. And I said, guys, that was shit 30 years ago. Mm. Get rid of that. It's no good. Like they'll be talking theory about a trainer that was old 30, 40 years ago. I just don't understand that. Mm. It's funny you say that. So, now that I'm a mad YouTuber, yeah, right. One of the projects I'm working on, I feel bad for my dog that I'm doing this because I'm actually teaching him to. It's gonna, it, it's this isn't gonna be out for a long time because I have to teach him to do some wrong things, yep. just to get the footage of it going wrong, which is kind of annoying. I wish that I, anyway, I'm doing it. But I'm talking. I saw a thread the other day talking about why you should never ever let the dog drop the dumbbell, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, hmm, that's interesting because the person who's saying, it, I was like, with your knowledge set, you're right. You should never let the dog drop the dumbbell. And in yep. your in your closed system, it's important that the dog never drop the dumbbell. Mm. But if you're outside that system, it doesn't matter for shit, right? Yep. And I'm trying to show, I'm making a video of the reasons why a dog would drop the dumbbell and things like that. And so one of the things I'm doing is I'm wrecking, I'm intentionally wrecking Remy's hold yep. because, you know, it's a long time before we compete again. So I'm happy to do it in that his retrieve I am putting my hands on whatever he's holding and then telling him to out. So before too long, eventually he's going to – the problem is he's, he's got four years it. of not doing it, yep. but he will eventually spit that out as I go to put my hands on it mm. and it will fall to the floor. Yep. And I need to show that to show how to then fix it. So I've got to create it. So anyway, that's a, that's a project for the future. But you know, that idea of sometimes advice is 100% correct mm. – for what with, you're doing within a closed system, yep. and maybe that system is not the best system, mm. but you see people sort of vehemently saying, "Like, no, this is very important. This is a cornerstone of the way that I teach this thing mm. is that the dumbbell never fall to the floor." And I say, "Yeah, that's very important, but like I teach it differently, and therefore it doesn't matter at all. In fact, I want it to happen." All right. Mm. But if you're not up to date on, we, and we've done a whole episode on this, on yeah. staying up to date on information, like some people are motivated to, some people aren't. And mm. some people, you know, if you're like some of the older sort of, you know, what we might call like dinosaurs, they don't have Facebook. They don't know YouTube, right? Like, so like they're not, they're not even aware this information's out there. That's right. So that feeds to my next piece. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I think the other reason why people might put out information, and I think we could all be a little bit guilty of this, is the ego piece, right? Which is what I already spoke about where you're sort of establishing yourself. Pride, ego, and tribalism are really big blockers in a lot of this work. But so a lot of the times you see some people putting out a lot of information, really good information, and it's sort of ego-based. And certainly Mm. I've been guilty of that. Like I said, when you first come into- All of us have. Yeah, like I'm Mm. not really interested in helping you out of your issue. I'm more just letting you know that I know the answer, Mm. right? And in doing that, I kind of have to give you the answer, but I'm just saying like, hey, guys, look at me. Don't look over there. Look at me. I have all the answers. And Mm. I feel like sometimes that's one of the reasons that we all could probably be giving away information, right? Well, I think sometimes, not all the time, I'm just, I'm thinking things through, but I think sometimes the dog industry can make zeros heroes. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like you can go from zero to hero in a very short amount of time because you can collect your own little tribe all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, and that's very empowering sometimes when you've got a band of people that are listening on everything that you say. And then you think, well, I don't want to lose this little tribe of yes people, you know, follow me around and, you know, like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and I still need to be the guru. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's hard to shrug. Mm. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's intoxicating. Yeah, that's the right word. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. It's, mm. it's hard to let go of in that yep. way. So I feel like I've ticked all the things. Oh, the other thing <laughs> I wanted and to talk then- about was these different ways of disseminating information. So this kind of relates a little bit to what we we're just talking about, sort of dinosaurs who don't use anything online, mm. right? The way information comes out these days is really interesting, mm. right? So I was going to write a book. I thought, you know, like I, I know some stuff. This is worth putting out there and having a book. There's a je ne sais quoi about having being an author. Yep. I'm not an author, but to say like I wrote this book – it's and, a bit of prestige. Yeah. Mm. And these days, you know, you can publish, you can self-publish. You don't need a deal. Like it's easy enough to turn into an ebook. And, you know, like I, I know people, Jane's illustrated some kids' books for people that, you know, they then have self-published. And yeah, so, Lofty Fulton's got a book out, the guy that does our intro. I'm it, halfway through a book that I've been sitting on for like three years now. Yeah. So yeah. there's this thing of kind of like that's the way you do it. Yeah. But, you know, there's no money in books, right? Like sometimes- I'm not writing a book for money. And this book- Well, this is the thing, right? Yeah, I'm not why, writing it for why money. Why would you disseminate that information? Because it's a manuscript of something that I need to say. Okay. Why do you need to say it? Well, I feel that it's therapeutic. Okay. And I also feel that people could benefit from things that happened to me, how I've benefited from this industry. Mm-hmm. So the book is not a dog training book. It's a- I don't really want to say the word self-help because it's not a self-help book. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it is a collection of thoughts of how I went from fuckery to being saved, mm-hmm. getting my shit together. That's the bones of the book. It's a manuscript of that. And I think that maybe some people some people might read it and go, oh, that's a nice story. And other people might read it and go, I can resonate with that. Mm-hmm. And if there's... 10 people around the world that read it and get that out of it and it helps correct their path like it did mine, I'd die a happy guy. So you kind of just proved my point Mm. and I'm glad you said that because I feel exactly the same way. I think that writing a book is more like here's my story. Yes. For me, it's therapeutic to get it out of my head and kind of – I'm kind of outing myself a little bit, like talking about some of the demons, things that scared me and things that made me – feel vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but in the same way, putting it on a page is making me feel like, oh, I'm getting rid of this. Like it's out there now. Yeah, you're letting it go. I'm letting it go. Yeah, Mm. that's great. Mm. I want to read it. Yeah. So books, I think people read and enjoy those kind of books better. And if you write like an instruction manual, kind of a how-to, they sell for like 30 bucks, right? Yeah. And you got to print them. They're a physical thing. They've got to get to people. There's a lot of work involved in that. Whereas, you know, I have an online course Mm. that I sell for way more than you could ever charge for a book, right? It's 500 bucks for this online course, right? Australian dollars. Could Mm. you imagine paying $500 for a book? But if I had just- Well, Lindsay's books are pretty up there. Yeah. The Handbook of Applied Dog Training Behaviour. Yeah, true. But they're three manuals, giant fucking book, right? And awesome. If you're into behavioral sciences and you haven't got these, like he is the king of reference. They're the textbooks. They are the textbooks. They're Grey's Anatomy for dog trainers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's ways of getting information out. If you're Mm. a book reader, 
mostly you're going to be spending about the $30 sort of range and now you're going to get books that are worth that, yep. right? But if you're not an online course doer, that's how the real hardcore info is getting passed around these days, mm. right? That's the kind of thing because you look at it and you go, okay, like I'm a person who has knowledge to pass on, whether I make cooking videos or whether I, you know, whatever. There's a prestige to releasing a cooking book because it's beautiful and it goes on the table and it lasts, yep. right? People will share that around and you want people to share your book. Like that's one of the things you kind of want. Like you want people to read it and say to their friend, oh my God, you have to read this because it's the story that you're getting out there. Mm. And you want with a cooking book, you want like, I want that to sit on your table and I want people when you're sitting around talking and, and having a coffee with someone to kind of be absentmindedly flicking through that and see a pretty picture and think I'm going to make that or be at your home and you make them a nice meal and say, where'd you get this? And you say, oh, there's recipes in this book and you show them the book, right? And it's got your name on it, right? There's a, there's a prestige to that. But if you're just passing on like hardcore info, tutorial videos, is that's how everyone does it these days, mm. right? Because it's so much more efficient. Mm. People have the like, I can't read a book. You know how hard it is to read a book these days? Like I'd- I do audio books. Like yeah, that's Every time it. I'm traveling, like I've always got an audio book playing in, in the car. Yeah, like I try to read. Like, and I used to read a lot, right? Like, I, well, you know, when you're at school and, and when I was, you know- Our minds are too preoccupied now to sit down and turn a page. Yeah, but when I was in the army, like, you know, there's so much hurry up and wait, right? So it's like you, you're just spending- literally days sitting in hangars with no phones, no nothing, right? So books is all there is and books get passed around and mm. fuck, mate, the amount of books that I read while deployed, heaps, right? I struggle. So I've been trying to read the same book for literally years now, mm. right? Like I just can't get through it. But so those educational, like for hardcore sort of, I want to learn knowledge or I want to pass on my knowledge or I want to learn it, instructional videos is where it's at, yeah. right? And there's a couple of forms of instructional videos. There's, you know, there's ones that are just put out there for free. Hey, look at this. And maybe that's the whole information or maybe it's a teaser to like the real one that you got to pay for, right? Like there's, or some people put out stuff, you know, like because I'm obsessed with uh, photography and stuff at the moment, like I'm watching, you can learn everything online. It's all there. Mate, I taught myself to weld online. You know, yeah. if I read that from a book, I just don't think I would have been able to really get yeah. it. Well, that's probably not true. I would have gotten it, but I would have gotten it in such a long time yeah. with so many fuck-ups where I was watching a guy and I reckon within a week I was stitching plates together perfectly. Yeah. So that camera I just bought. Yep. There is on YouTube. From from our Patreon Yes. People. Thank you, Patreon people. You're yes. about to reap the benefits of it. Mm. But it's a very nice camera. Yes, it is. And- there's a three-hour instructional video by a photographer online mm. on how to use it. Like, and I'm talking the specifics of how to set Aren't it. Aren't they up. amazing? Those people that they've just given the world. But so he explains. It's very interesting. He explains that I'm going to teach you how to use this camera. I have an online course on how you can take photos with it yep. and how to make the photos worthwhile taking. I'm not teaching you that on this. The piece of the knowledge I'm giving you is the tech specs of how to push the buttons on the camera, yep. right? Actually framing a shot and making the shot worth taking, that's an online course that I have that but you have you to pay But you appreciate that guy now, don't you? Well, I almost wanted to buy his course, right. like, even though yep. his type of photography has nothing to do with what I'll be doing. Yep. I wanted to buy his course just because I appreciate so much his fucking three-hour video mm. on how to push the buttons on the I did that the with camera. a guitaring course. There was a guy online- fucking giving, like he gives heaps of tutorials away. He's got a small course that he does on knowing the fretboard. Yep. Bought it because I like him and I resonate with him. And yep. I think you're awesome. You've given so much content away. I've benefited so much from all your agonizing hard work yep. and I want to support you. Which is, you know, what happens with us on the Patreon, right? Uh, so, exactly. So 
Yeah, we can see the downloads of everybody that uh, yes. follows that. Yep. And only probably two thirds of the people who are in Patreon actually consume the content. The others now, do it to support us. Yeah, they're just they, doing it because they're like, hey, I like I like the effort that you put in. I know Glenn yeah. spends hours and hours making this. So some people are in there because like, Pat, put your videos up. And if it's five minutes late, people are like, hey, there's a video I'm pulling my Patreon support, right? <laughs> but then other people are like, oh, fuck the Patreon. Like I, I don't even I do listen it to, to it. you, yeah. I've only ever logged in that one time when I put in the money because yeah. they appreciate that however long we talk for, you spend three hours more getting it together for every it hour this podcast goes it's three times in editing yeah yeah so like there's different reasons people do that okay so i've spoken a lot and i get into the punchline so as i was driving out listening to these podcasts thinking about dissemination of knowledge and i'm thinking there's people who pass on information there's people who don't yeah. there's people who do it for free there's people that charge and i'm all of those i'm all of those mm. And there's reasons why I'm all of them at different times. And at any one stage, I don't, I hopefully never fit into those asshole categories, right? But there's reasons why I would do it all. It's complex. Mm. It's not as simple as like, oh, you should give away everything you shouldn't, right? Or, or you should charge, you shouldn't. It's difficult, right? Yeah. Narelle's going through that at the moment with her online course that she's just done. And it's fortuitous that we just had that conversation with her mm. out there. And that's yep. why I was smiling the whole time because I was thinking this actually is what I've been thinking about for the last six hours, mm. right? So I think it comes down to this for me. I allocate at a period of time every week to just putting out information. Mm -hmm. That's this podcast, right? And some social media time. So that is sometimes very good information. Sometimes it's just me and you talking bullshit. Mm. But I've allocated that period of time and I put it out there and it's free. People can get it. Yep. When people then say to me, hey, can you elaborate? Or when people say, what episode of the podcast was it where you said this? That's where I go, nah, you're on the clock. Yep. You have to pay me for that information. Because what I think is the difference is when I just go like, here is information, take it or leave it. I'm happy to do that for free, mm. right? But when people go like, I want specifics or I want that information curated, Right? Yeah, but they're, like, they're, they're chewing into your work time then. Yeah, but then that's my work, right? Yeah, that's so right. passing on that information. So mm. when you curate, for me, that's the line in the sand where mm. I go, okay, no, like that's that's work, right? Like I have chosen a period of time to pass on information. The only reason I would not pass on information is if it's not ready to go out. So mm. I think that's really, for me, that's kind of a an ethics thing. Like I, it's not good information yet, mm -hmm. right? I don't want to put out bad information. Although I'm sure I do. I know that you, and I do it too, where I test pilot with people. Yeah, of course. You know, like, and that's where you do give the information away because you put it out there for scrutiny and yeah. you say to people, can you look over this for me and tell me what the bugs are or poke holes in it for me so yeah, I can- Totally. You know, because I just don't want to go with my own BS. Yep. Mm. So I'm just putting it out there and you don't get to choose what you hear. Mm. That's totally free. That's free. All right? Yeah. The only reason I would hold back is if it's not good information. So I keep that to myself until it is. But then when people say, I want specifics, that's where you go, that information probably already is out. But if you don't want to look for it, you mm. want me to re-say it, that's where I have to charge you. Because I was thinking, you know, like the online course that I have, it's all here. Yep. If, like it's all on the podcast, but it's not curated. It's not put into the right order. Yep. And that's why I don't, you know, as I was thinking about, am I this dragon that sits on all the gold? I'm like, no, no, like I don't mind charging people for that because it's in the right order, right? Yep. Those videos are laid out on the screen in the correct sequence and you should watch them in order, which I say in the thing, because one will enable you to understand the next, mm. right? But a lot of that information is here. 
And if you can figure that out, exactly as you said before, if you can put all those pieces together and get that in line, then good for you. You've yep. got all the info, right? Yep. But what you're saying is you're charging for fast tracking. Yeah, or not necessarily for fast tracking, for specifics, for getting what you want right now. Like, yeah. So the, the info comes out free and maybe you aren't interested in that right now, mm. right? And then in two years where you go, shit, I am interested in that, you can choose to either go back and find it or if you then say to me, hey, what was it you said then? I go, cool. Like, you have to pay me and I will tell you again, mm. right? Like, because I, I know where that is or I, like, I have that in the top of my head. I can say that. So I think I fit into all the categories mm. and, and there's reasons for each. That's not unlike paying a gym membership, right? You go along, you pay a very small amount of money to, to join a gym. You go in there, you can do your own stuff. Yeah. But if you want a personal trainer to go in there and show you the little nuances about how to develop certain muscle sets or develop your program – Got to pay them. Yeah, you're yeah. on the clock. And why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. you know, like you're buying a service at that point in time where you're saying, "Now I want," as you said, "Now I want specifics." It's the specifics because yeah. you can get, like, literally, you can Google any exercise movement you want, mm. and there's tutorials on how to do it. Yep. But what there isn't is someone standing next to you saying, "Oh no, you're bending your back." Yeah. Right. It's like, like I, I said last week in the in the wrap up where Steph at BJJ. You know, like he saved me so much time just showing me one move where I was going over and over and drilling the same thing. It was a mistake, mm. you know, and where I talked about this a while ago as a guitarist, Stevie Ray Vaughan said to a young guitarist, don't keep practicing your mistakes, slow mm. down, do it right. Yeah. That advice is invaluable. Mm. And, you know, like if you have to pay someone for that, what's that worth? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of all I have on that. I think- if you're still listening, what you've just heard me do for an hour and however long it's been is just think out loud mm. about information and how we get it. And I, and I think there's probably more to it. If I thought about it for longer, I maybe think of some There's always something more to it. There's always something more. Like everything that you're talking about, you could always add something to it. Yeah, we could put you a know, whole, there'd be a whole show on everything. That's right. There's another chapter always. Yeah. That's the beauty about, you know, like when we talk about this podcast, this podcast in a way was our manuscript as well. Because as I said, the canine paradigm was- originally the title for one of my books I was going to write. Mm. But I kind of thought there's so much more to say and having you as my co-pilot on this show that the two of us could both talk about things and experiences that we've had. This is an online manuscript. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about our lives, our experiences, our thoughts, our feelings about things. There's so many chapters that evolve. And, you know, the great thing about this as well is, as we said earlier, if we change our mind on something, we can correct it through later episodes. As you said, people might listen to earlier things and then come back and listen and say, hey, hang on a second. You said this, you know, in episode four. Why have you changed your mind now? Because we're entitled to or mm. the information that we've attained now is better than what we had at the start. Yeah. And that's the evolution about that's a great thing about having these podcasts, not only ours, but everybody's that you enjoy listening to is it's constantly evolving. It's just a wonderful timeline that you can experience different things and say, hey, you know what? I learned something amazing today and I want to share it with you. Yeah. Mm. So that's it. Yes. Hopefully you enjoyed that. I, I kind of wanted to set the tone a little bit because for this year, my New Year's resolution, even though it's not really a resolution, but what I like a goal I have is in 2021 is to think out loud. Yep. I want to just be a bit more sort of engaging and sort of think things – well, I always think things through, but sort of 
the content that I put out, I want to be a bit more about the journey rather than just like, here's a bunch of facts. Yep. Right. We spoke about that last week and we've sort of started doing that in the Patreon stuff. And I'm going to be making some content that sort of goes along those journeys. And, and I'm really kind of obsessed with nuanced understanding at the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. It is like, you know, really if 2020 taught us anything, the US election and all the bullshit and everything is that things are more complex than they seem, right? Like you've got it. You can't just look at one set of issues. Mm. You can't get your news from a meme yep. and then be spilling it as facts, right? Yep. Like you've got to look under the surface of things. And that's a good point. I was going to say, you know, what's on the surface doesn't relay what's underneath. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's a critical thinking. That's it. Right. And I, th- I feel like that's part of what I want to try and bring into the show this year. That's I it. like it. Yeah. Why not? All right. Shall I wrap it up? Yes. All right. That's it for the first episode of 2021. Be good to us, 2021. Be good to us. Please. Please. Hey, guys, if you like the show, it would be so cool if you could just pull your phone out of your pocket right now. Mm -hmm. Whatever subscription service you download us from, just put a little comment in there. Yeah. Just be like, hey. Yeah, rate and review. You know, I read all the reviews, every mm. one of them. Every mm. single one that, that I've got on any platform, I always make the time to read and appreciate that somebody took the time to rate our show. Yeah, it is cool Thank when you. people do that. Yeah. And it really helps other people find the show. So mm. if you found it helpful, the big, like what's really cool is if you write down why you found it helpful because then people will be like, oh, that seems like a helpful show. I'll listen to that. Have and you seen the gross. traffic that we're getting lately all of a sudden? Like there's so many people joining the discussion group. Like there's probably at least 20 a day. That I'm Usually that in. happens because someone shit mouthing us in some other group. <laughs> that doesn't matter. They're coming over. That's <laughs> yeah. good. There's no such thing as bad problems. That's right. I'm happy to have them and I'm happy for them to be part of our community. And if they're enjoying it and they want to stay and contribute and be a good part of our yeah. wonderful little tribe that we've created together. Did yeah. you see that meme I sent around the other day of uh, – it's Morty. Uh, sorry, Rick from Rick and Morty. He's yes. like, your booze mean nothing to me. I've seen what you applaud for. Yes, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it Jason Walker who put that up? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Jeez, he's got some good memes. He's got some great memes. He's, yeah. he's, him, he's competing with Katrina. Yeah, I was going to say, mm. if if there's a meme queen, he's the king. he might be the king. Yeah. Jeez, imagine their little meme children. <laughs> All right, moving on. Yep. Uh, if you want to support the show. Patreon, it's mm. way to do it. Get in there. Get excited about it, folks. I'm excited. Yeah. Appreciate all the support in there. Three bucks a month is a starting. Tell others about tell your Patreon. Friends. Yeah, tell Share your friends. Share it around. Yep. Yeah. Share the love. Share the link to join Patreon, not the content of the Patreon. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, if they've got no money, I don't mind. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. Mm. But it's cheap. We're not we're not charging a fortune for Patreon. Yeah, that's true. No, I mean, like, sometimes I, I can see in the statistics that people share things outside of the Patreon. Oh, dear. Not the end of the world. I don't mind mm. if if you think it's good and you're sharing it around. Yeah, just you know, c- be kind. Be kind. Compel your friends. It helps us. The other cool way to support the show is with wall tapestries. Yes, wall Tracy tap- Mammon has got them. I've confirmed. Yeah, where's yes. the photos? Well, she's getting her shit together. She was going to do a nudie run with one wrapped around her the other day. Right. So that might happen. Trying to Dylan Anderson it. Yep. Yep. yep, she was thinking about it, but she's getting her training shed set up and she's going to put her tapestries in there. So she does support the show and she did buy tapestries. Mm. She's the one. To bore people with more personal information, right now my house is a, like a bomb went off in it because we're paint, we're kind of renovating, right, yep. as much as you can within the townhouse. And I'm setting up a new office and I think I probably need a wall tapestry for the 
the background. You absolutely do need uh, a wall tapestry. I probably need to jump yes. into Teespring and order one. To Would be... you like me to get one for you and for me? Yeah, if you get this a... room, we could probably have a tapestry. Yeah, up. yeah. we need it, and, we... and we need those headbands if we're getting onto Teespring. Are we, have we got those on? We there? haven't yet. I will organise them. We need headbands. Everybody, get yourself a headband. Yeah, because it can be a mask, right? Like it's it's a yeah, it's like a neck gaiter. Yeah, yeah. Now that we're all wearing masks, yes. Where am I at in the wrap up? Oh, so yeah, supporting the show. Teespring. Uh, Teespring, get into there. Yep. If you want to talk to us, best way to do that's the discussion group. Yeah. Right. Get in there. If you want dog training advice, want to, you know, just have a chat, whatever, do it in there. But if it's of a personal nature, you could email us. We are info at the canine paradigm.com. And mm-hmm. you have never seen an email get as much spam as we do. So, yeah, I know. Like, if yep. we don't get back to you, how to improve our SEO. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. What's that name? Eric that just keeps coming up. We got to block that email at, yeah. like, every day. Yeah. He wants to help us build our website and get more traffic to our site. You know what feels like mafioso? What's that mafioso? Is these fucking people who spam us saying that we need better spam protection because they got into our inbox. Yeah. You seen that? Yes, I have. I'm not a pacifist, but I'm leaning that way. But even that makes me want to fucking gutter stomp their head, right? When people are like, hey, you need better spam protection because my spam email got into your inbox. Okay, I've got to tell you a quick story it before. It fucking infuriates me. I used to make a small living off selling yard dogs to people. Yeah. Right? So one of the deals was that I used to have with people is I said to them, if you can leave $100 in your office, on the table, if I can get in there past your dogs, I take the hundred dollars, and then we talk about either training the dogs or replacing them. Yeah, good call. Now, mate, I used to like literally. It would take me about thirty minutes to get into the place, so that was a hundred dollars for thirty minutes work just to walk through the dogs, and then I'd sell two dogs to them mm. or train them for them. Mm. That was an awesome little gig. Yeah, that is a good gig. Yeah, it's a bit mafioso though. Yes, like, but it worked. Employ me, or I'll. I'll smash your front Well, window. I just wanted that. No, I didn't have enough to smash the window. I just used to show people how easy it was to get into their business past their docks. Yeah. You know, and I said, if if I can use my tricks to get through them, other people can too. Mm. So I just exploit their weakness. I did some, uh, you know what? That's another story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Okay.